When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 101, Thursday, May 25th. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by Steve Giswelli. Got an exciting show today, looking at a variety of underlying metrics that we can form into trade targets, and we're running the gamut here. This almost feels in the spirit of the the 100th episode milestone that we had last week, because I feel like we're taking... Uh, about 20 different metrics that we have cited over the past 100 episodes and finding a player or two that really seems to stand out there. Some of these might be ads in shallower leagues, but a good majority of them are guys who are already rostered. And that's kind of in the heart of or in the spirit of trade season. So, Steve, um, I'm excited. I know we've got the uh, Let's Make a Deal annual show that, that's uh, probably going to be our next one or the week after, but... Again, still just kind of identifying and focusing here on players, and we got probably 20 to 30 names to get through, so it's going to be a great show, a little bit of a lightning round on some of these, but super excited. How's it going, man? I wish I thought of this topic last week, like like we could have done like a, a WAF favorite <laughs> metrics, ad target, trade target, thing. This like is that. part but two. Hey, part two. Yeah, it, part you know? two. It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's... uh. We're here now. Uh, it's episode 101, so so, so that's fine. Uh, you know, trade targets 101, I guess. Um, yeah, so not really like a – doesn't really have to be a buy low either. It's just guys that we like based on, you know, our favorite metrics. I think it's a, a fun topic. And there's some really interesting names here that I'm excited to get to. A lot of guys that I'm adding uh, – looking to add, looking to trade for, looking to buy low on, things like that. So uh, we, we've discussed and learned to love a lot of different metrics and tools over these, what, three years now? Uh, and it, it's 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 nice to put them to use. Um, you know, like we said last episode, we got a, a decent track record doing this. So um, happy to get, get into it again. Yeah, we, this episode will be blind squirrel as well because we got so many names some of these are going to turn into genius calls here uh but the first one to just jump right in looking at a pitch mix changer and that's something that we typically pay close attention to early on in the season if somebody's you know throwing different pitches we've talked about it recently with john gray and the slider but this one and i got a shout out mike curland i know we cite him often on the show great twitter follow at mike underscore curland but Saw a Mike Curlin tweet about Braxton Garrett that kind of pointed out his last three starts where he's found some great success. And this is a guy that's just 12% rostered. So more of an ad to start out. But over his last three starts, Garrett's gone 16 and two thirds with a 2.7 ERA, a 0.84 whip, and a K minus BB of 29.2%. So very nice there. And when you look closer, it's kind of because he's focusing on a variety of, of pitches with a little bit more focus. So uh, kind of digging in deeper, it's really comes down to the cutter, which he brought into his pitch arsenal about five starts ago. So just about halfway through the short season we've seen so far. And when he introduced it, it just had like a 10% usage. But in the past three starts, when he's found that success, ramped up that cutter to a 30% usage and in the most recent two starts, had a 40% whiff rate across those two with the cutter. So, Steve, we always talk about the Marlins. We know they're kind of a, a mini pitching factory there. And Garrett, I think, is at Coors today as our listeners tune in on Thursday night. So a little bit of a dicey start there. Might be a sit, but if it looks good, I think Braxton Garrett is a, a pretty interesting ad. What do you think on the young Marlins pitcher? 
I have a good amount of shares of Braxton Garrett. I've I've added him over these last few starts. Uh, added him in FBC leagues and shallower leagues, um, even in a, in the keeper league where I'm rebuilding. Just took a flyer. Like you know, why am I going to roster? Uh, you know, Zach Grinky for a quality start when I could take an upside flyer on Garrett. And what was interesting about Garrett is there was some, we, we were excited about him last year. Like there was, yep. there was a few moments where he sort of figured things out and had some really good games with some high strikeout totals. Like I'm, I'm trying to look through some of the splits now um, and, 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 just remember like the timing of, of that interest because the stuff sort of has always been there for Garrett. Um, yeah, he had a pretty bad first month in June when he first came up, he had a five twenty four ERA, but then the rest of the way it was like ERAs in the threes and twos um, with, you know, well more than, or, or close to, if not more than a strikeout per inning. So, there was some interesting things with Garrett and he's another one of these like bad fastball guys. Last year it was the sinker that, that he used to kind of get away from that four seamer. That wasn't good. And this year it might be the cutter. Like the slider is awesome. It had a 38.7% K percentage last year. It's got a 38.4% K percentage this year. So that's great. Like he has the put away pitch. He just needs that fat, that, the hard pitch to to, mm-hmm. to work, and now he has a cutter. Pair that with the sinker; that's been pretty good. And with that cutter introduction, um, the four seam fastball has basically gone away. He has not thrown it at all essentially since May fourth. He threw uh, he threw like two or three pitches in his last start on the twentieth, so it, it's essentially not there. Um, he has a curveball and a changeup that he can mix in, so it's not like he's just this two pitch guy. Even though the slider is his bre- bread and butter, but like you know, whenever you see this a, a guy sort of figure out a fastball, you know, cutter is a fastball. Um, it, it starts it starts to really pique pique my interest, and you know, this is more of maybe a uh, not necessarily Garrett question, but. I'm starting him, I think, in most leagues this week. Like, it, I know it's Coors, but it's so tempting because the Rockies lineup is so bad. And sometimes Coors is all or nothing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, you know, you see those guys, you know, it's like one extreme or the other with Coors, but you wouldn't be shocked if he went like, you know, seven innings with 11 Ks. I mean, we'd be impressed and uh, it'd be a jaw dropper, but like sometimes Coors just has wacky results on, on either direction. But yeah, I think uh, totally get what, what you're saying. And honestly, that kind of cutter-sinker combo is not that far off from that like Lance Lynn, you know, multiple fast pitches that, you know, he kind of uses for deception and then sneak it in a breaking pitch. Uh, but what, yeah, what's nice about Garrett is that it's kind of flying under the radar right now because he didn't have a great start to this season. So if you look at like, you know, his savant sliders, his whiff whiff percentage looks really mediocre. But if you look at just the past three games when this cutter was kind of in full swing and it's way above that, you know, league average of a 25% whiff rate, it's around like a 33% whiff rate across his arsenal. So, yeah, I think Garrett's very interesting and at just 12%, maybe less of a trade target, but uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Moving along with some other pitchers here, the next one we wanted to talk about or the metric we wanted to look at was just velo risers i think that's always something we're talking about in spring and then throughout the season it can vary start start to start but gotta highlight james paxton who his velocity has been sitting at 96 miles per hour on his fastball which is the highest it's been since 2016 and we've just seen two starts so far and we really haven't seen a full slate from Paxton since like 2019. So it's been a while because he had the TJ. And even at the start of this season, he was injured. And it's easy to kind of write it off as like, is he even relevant anymore? And these past couple starts, his only two starts against the Cardinals, against the Padres, he looked terrific. Uh, and the K rate was way up with the walk rate in check as well. So 32% K rate, sub 7% walk rate. Uh 
massive disclaimer as you guys are tuning in that uh, Wednesday night as we record this, he's going against the Angels, and he gave up a three-run homer to Zach Neto. Uh, so, you know, th- there might be uh, an easy trade target here because his roster ship has skyrocketed after those first or he's two gonna, starts. Or he's going to be dropped, yeah. Or he'll be dropped. So I think, yeah, with Paxton just noting that, you know, durability being the big assumption and health, what we're seeing so far in terms of the actual uh, velocity more than anything, because I think his, his swing and miss is actually not as high as that 32% K rate would suggest. But his CSW looks really good, and you can't argue with the velocity. So an interesting one here with Paxton, who's rostered in about 50% of Yahoo leagues. But curious, Steve, if he's got your interest even after the at least wobbly beginning of this start against the Angels. Yeah, definitely. Like just looking at his his player page and you look at the fastball velocity, twenty and, and you forget, like Paxton missed so much time. He hasn't pitched since one point one innings in twenty twenty one. So it's basically been essentially two full seasons since we've even seen him. And the shortened season in twenty twenty with the Yankees, he only pitched twenty innings. So it, it's it's been yeah, like a World Four Cup. Four years since, yeah. since yeah, a World Cup since we've seen him throw any meaningful amount of innings, 150 innings in 2019 um, with the Yankees, where he was pretty good. He had a 3.82 ERA with a um, – A lot of strikeouts. Uh, yeah, third, close to a 30% strikeout rate. Um, he was a, a good fantasy pitcher that year. Um and the thing that stands out, it's like when this guy was good, he was 95-6 with the fastball, 95-5, 95-8. Like you just remembered, I remember like getting super excited about James Paxton when he you know first broke into the league, this tall lefty that was able to touch a hundred from the you know, from the left side, like it was it was a unicorn. And there was some really good fantasy years in there. I know that they came with the caveat that there was a lot of injuries. And the, the most innings he's ever thrown in the season is 160 with Seattle back in 2018. So, I, and the reason why you brought him up is why I'm still interested. The velo is down a little bit tonight, down 0.8 versus a year average. It was 95.4. But, like, we saw, like, with that velo, Paxton has been good in the past. So as long as he's around that 95, four 96 and not the 92 or, mm-hmm. or 93 that he was um, in, in 2020 or 2021, when it was basically essentially a sign that he was hurt, right? If he's throwing 96, 90 or, you know, 95, 96, he's, he's healthy. Um, yeah. So as long as that happens, I'm going to be interested. And in, yeah, I, I know it stinks that he's kind of getting lit up, tonight as we record this but uh it's kind of an opportunity though, yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of an it's kind of an opportunity like the whiffs weren't there he didn't get any whiffs on the fastball um so you know people might be scared off but i'm still interested considering the velocity still good and you know when that happens paxton gets strikeouts and is at least a serviceable fantasy did you ever see the video wasn't it paxton back on when he was on the mariners when he like like the a bald eagle like landed on his arm or something. Yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, right? Yeah. So yeah, definitely a, a unicorn. I'm not sure the fantasy relevance or the segue out of that, but the honorable mentions on uh, velocity. Just noting that year to year changes. The highest climber in velocity is actually Sean Manaya, who we were kind of in on in draft season. Mm-hmm. Then he burnt us in in kind of that small sample size. But his last outing, he had an opener, and he, he was kind of a follower, threw three and a third and had eight strikeouts. So just a little bit of a watch list guy there, Manaya. The other three that were really chart toppers on velocity gain, gains from last year to this year, Pablo Lopez, Reed Detmers, and George Kirby. I think we're kind of seeing it fully with Pablo and Kirby. Uh, but Detmers is another guy who... A lot of frustrated managers. I know he had a good outing last time with with uh, twelve Ks, but the ERA was still a little inflated. So those are some other potential trade targets as it relates to velocity. Uh, but shifting over to Stuff Plus, and you know we cite this often from Eno Saris, great model, great way to kind of uh, crystal ball who some breakouts are going to be. But Steve, talk to me about Louis Varland and what you were seeing with uh, kind of the Stuff Plus metrics for him. 
Um, another shout out to Mike Curlin. Uh, Mike's been all over Farland all year. Uh, people were very interested when he came up versus the Yankees uh, in mid-April, and it was just a spot start. But he did pretty well. I think it was like six innings, three K, three runs, and like eight Ks are in Yankee Stadium. So people were excited. He was sent back down and kind of forgot about. Um, did pretty well in Triple A. Um, I think that's a bit of an understatement. He had a 40% strikeout rate in 15 innings. So, yeah, really well. Um, and the strikeout and walks and stuff numbers are 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 better than what the ERA and the ERA indicators, at least XFIP and FIP, would lead you to believe. Uh, or or XERA and FIP would lead you to believe. Uh, XFIP and Sierra are, are believers. They both have ERAs in, in the mid-threes. So, um the, the the stuff is why I'm in. It's a 107 fastball stuff plus 106 slider stuff plus, so two above average pitches. Um, it's always good when you have a good fastball stuff plus two. Um, obviously, means you can you don't need to find a primary pitch or anything like that. Sort of the the Braxton Garrett issue, um, and paired that with a 106 location, so he has command too. Um, he's got a lead extension. Um, he's got good, good whiffs, uh, a 13.4% swing strike rate, um, 28.6% CSW. So, you know, it, the, the 26% K rate is backed up by the swing strike rate. And maybe there's even a bit room for, you know, it, it's what it's like times 2.3 is what the back of the hand math is for, uh, swing strike rate to, to, to K rate. So there might be some room for improvement there. A walk rate under six is nice. Like, if you're going to strike out more than a guy, uh, a guy per inning and walk two per nine, you're going to be a good pitcher. Uh, he has a 292 BABIP too, so maybe there's some bad luck there. Uh, a 23.3% homer to fly ball rate is also pretty high. So I, I think that there's some positive regression or, or just regression to a lower ERA uh, for Varland here. Um, there should be some opportunity, I think, in in the, in the Twins rotation too. I know. Um, well, yeah, I think Kenta Maeda is coming back soon. Back, but I mean, every time he's been back, it's been like two or three innings, right? Um, and uh, who else is there that I got a uh, Tyler Malley's got Tommy John, so he's out for the year. Well, I think the I think the issue is that they might have to choose between Bailey Ober him and, and Louis uh, yeah, Barland. Him and Ober. But I also think that might just work itself out with with Manda just sort of, you know, every time he's restarted, it, it seems to be a, an issue. Yeah, like he's not going to kick Gray, Ryan, or Lopez out of there. Right. Um, but also with with Manda's issues, like this seems like a perfect candidate for a, a, a six man rotation, right? To, yeah. To keep him healthy if they want to if they want to go that route, just because. It's been one thing after the other with with Maeda coming back from Tommy John too. Um, like even when he looked good, like he left with like fit, arm fatigue, right? Like yeah, he is not the model of durability. So I would bet on the skills of Varlin there. Now I'm just going to throw this out here: that the outfield for the Twins, we got Michael Taylor, Willie Castro, and Alex Kirilov, who has his own injury issues. Wouldn't this be a nice team for the Cardinals to just make you know bring Bailey over to the Cardinals? We'll we'll deal them, you know, Alec Burleson and some picks or something like that. I just, you know, it's a little bloated there. So I'm just going to wish that into existence. But I do agree, Varland, extremely uh, interesting on what we've seen from him. I know he's slowly kind of getting dropped in, in some leagues. So, uh, yeah, I think if he does get dropped, it's one that I would at least want to find out first that he's out of the rotation because, yeah, this has been one of the more exciting Probably one of the top ten, like young out of nowhere guys, along with like the six prospects that everyone's been talking about with the Millers and you know all that stuff. So I like Varland. I think that's a, a good one and really good call on uh, the 107 stuff plus for the fastball, the 106 for the slider. So like it from Varland for sure. Um, moving over to kind of a tried and true old school one that we've we've gone to in past episodes and. Those have been some of our more accurate shows, and it's looking at simply K minus BB to reveal, you know, some some guys who are really clicking on control and with the stuff. 
And I know we wanted to highlight Zach Wheeler here first, Steve. And I'll, I'll give you the floor on Wheeler before we get to a guy who's kind of lighting up across a bunch of different metrics. But your thoughts on Wheeler, who's, you know, he's been solid. Um, he's had some big strikeout games, games, but those have also had led to some runs. So I think maybe we haven't seen the best yet from Zach Wheeler, who's got a 411 ERA. But what are, what are, your, what are you seeing here? This looks exactly like Wheeler of, of the past. Like the strikeout rate and walk rates are basically exa- identical to last year. Um, the velo is the exact same, 96-1 on the fastball, 96-1. Um, the swing strike rate is a little bit better. So that that, that shows that there might be, you know, you, you some more skill growth than, than we even look at. But all that's wrong is a, an outlier 327 BABIP and an outlier – 65.8 left on base percentage. So um, yeah, the ground balls are down, but I'm, I, I'm not going to account a, a 411 ERA to a, a 5% drop in, in ground ball rate. It's not like he's getting killed with homers or anything too. It's still just a 6.8% uh, homer to fly ball. So it just looks like it's kind of been bad luck. Maybe, maybe the fact that there's no, some shift, uh, there's no shift and, and that's taking away some hits uh, or taking away some outs or in the past that used to be there, but it's not like he's getting more ground balls, right? He's his ground ball percentage is worse this year. So that that's a little strange. Uh, I think Wheeler is the perfect candidate for, for a buy low. Uh, all of the ERA indicators agree. It's a 289 X FIP. Um, all the other ones are in the mid threes, which are, you know, in line with what you would expect and, you know, possibly even lower considering the fact that it looks like he's due for some positive strikeout regression too, um, with that really good swing strike rate. So, uh, yeah, K minus BB. It's a great in season indicator. Always been the best for in season pitching. I think stuff plus might beat it now a little bit, um, at least per Eno. Um, but it's still a great thing to look at. Like if you're striking guys out and not walking guys, um, it's usually a recipe for success. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Wheeler's a great uh, trade target with the ERA and WHIP, both kind of abnormally high, definitely abnormally high. And right now on the list, he's still ninth on Nick Pollock's list. And yeah, I think you could easily, or not easily, but I mean, you would easily offer like a, a George Kirby, who's looked really good on the surface. Um, just kind of scrolling through here. I mean, we've talked about like how good Sonny Gray has looked. I think you might have to throw something else in because people invested so high on draft day. But yeah, I think the Wheeler managers might be open to it because it just, it's never clicked all at once. It's either been the strikeouts or a clean, you know, like a shutout, but he he hasn't really had that one game where it's all kind of clicked into place. So I, I like that one as a trade target for sure. Moving on to Hunter Green, who was a guy that was, you know, one of the more polarizing and kind of on the draft board risers, in a way, billed as this year's Shane McClanahan, perhaps. And it's been more of the same from last year. And by that, we mean kind of head scratching. You can see the potential. He's already had several 10 strikeout plus games. But with that has been a really bloated ERA and and just ratios in general. So the past month, 39 strikeouts and 27 innings. But over that time, a 5.67 ERA and a 159 whip. And I don't know, Steve, if we need to recalibrate on Hunter Green uh, because it seems like no matter what underlying stats you look at, they want to spit out that he's one of the best pitchers or should be. Uh, you know, PLV, which loved Hunter Green. We talked with Nick Pollock about it uh, on the pitch level value. It's still got it's still got Hunter Green fourth in the MLB when it comes to to his pitch level value ERA numbers. Uh, it's even better than last year when he was kind of you know the the eye opener of that entire list. Um, so he, he's also high on the K minus BB list. I guess it's just a, a question of like what's a realistic expectation? Like, is this the Robbie Ray type where he's probably going to land around a high threes for ERA and you just take the, the strikeouts or, or what do you see here with green rest of season? How aggressively would you kind of target this for, for a trade? 
I think pretty aggressively because the downside, the floor is like kind of this, like a high mid fours ERA with a ton, a ton of strikeouts, like league leading strikeout numbers, right? Um, and and I, I know the, the, the homers are a problem and they were a problem last year. And I don't know if they're going to go away at least anytime soon, especially pitching in that ballpark. Um, I don't know if throwing as hard as he does and, or, or whatever. Like, it's not like he has, he has a better walk rate than last year. It's, it's slightly better, but uh, it, it's still a little bit better. Um, I think it's just a bit of bad luck. It's a 380 Babip right now. Like, that's yeah, he got not shelled including at, the homers. He yeah, got shelled at Coors. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think that there's just some hits that just are going to stop falling one way or the other with Green. And I'm not going to expect like a two ERA, but there could be a run where he has a, a you know an ERA around three and, and finishes the year with like a three nine ERA. And if that happens, like that's still a really good pitcher because he's striking out. 31% of the batters that he faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I mean, looking at most of the damage has, has been done. Like the, the Yankees got after him with a couple homers, but 10 strikeouts in that game gave up two two at cores. But yeah, when he's had lighter opponents, he's done a lot of damage and he's even had, you know, honestly, he's had a tough run with at Atlanta and he still had 10 K's. Uh, just gave up three runs in that one. So I think there's enough that we've seen from Green where I'd be confident saying he's he's closer to the Green we saw at the end of the last year of last year than we did everything the, before that. There was a point last year where like it was versus the Brewers and he gave up like six or seven homers in like one game. Maybe it wasn't that much, maybe it was like five, but at that point it was like, whoa, this guy has a ton to figure out. Yeah, and he still figured it out at the end of the year. I don't know if we're at that bad of a spot right now with Green. We're definitely not. Like, there's points mm-hmm. where Green was running in the area like well above five last year, um, close to six. So, um, and he brought that all the way down to four, four, four. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that I'm buying like you know the FIP, XFIP, Sierra, mid threes to high threes ERA. Um, by the end of the year, um, would you take over under end of year ERA for Hunter Green four point oh oh? Ooh, well, and he's at like a four six eight right now. Four six eight right now. Uh, uh, gosh, man, that's tough. He would have to be pretty good from here on out, but he what? showed it last year, and he's had some tough battles. That's right where I'd set the over under, but I yeah. will say slightly over, but very slightly. And I think this the, to get there, he's going to be better from here on in. So I'll, yeah, that's kind of. A I'll, t- I'll take I'll take the under. We could okay. uh, put it on the board. Yeah. Well, you know, you already crushed me on that Juan Soto one. That I don't even know why I'm bringing that back up from a, a month <laughs> I ago. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, we will get into some other hitters that we think are trade targets. But first, we are going to take an ad break, and we'll be right back. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization, so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, so Steve, uh, moving to hitters. Uh, First one in the spirit of of the PLV, wanted to highlight Mr. Seiya Suzuki for the Cubs, who has been absolutely on fire. I mean, we got Cubs radio often in, in Peoria here, and I've just heard them going on and on about Suzuki and 
Yeah, for good reason. The past couple of weeks, five homers, a 1263 OPS. And he had an oblique strain at the start of the year. And, it, you know, when you put that into the narrative, it's a pretty clear split on either side of that. So when he came back from the oblique issue, he had a, a 4.7 barrel rate the last couple of weeks of April. In May, it's up to 12.5%. And Suzuki's on fire. He hits in the heart of that order. It's been a pretty good order when uh, Nico Horner's healthy. They got some other guys who have kind of popped up this year. So... On PLV, Suzuki is 16th in hitter performance, which is probably the best summation of of hitter metrics on PLV because it kind of calculates like that power, the swing decision, and you know he does strike out a little bit when it comes to kind of the, the plate discipline side. But even so, a top 20 hitter on on PLV, and it looks like he's just really getting going. We liked him in the off season, but at this point. Uh, you know, you'd have to pay up a little bit because he's hot. But I think Suzuki is is a really good trade target, especially with how thin outfield is. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Suzuki? There was a point where he came back from that injury and like a lot of people were dropping him. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to look at his stack ass on Pitcherless page now and just see this bright red it's 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 really impressive and uh you know if you held on or or bought low um i think you're in for uh a, a nice reward like everything looks in line with what we hoped and what we saw last year i know there was the really hot start then he cooled off but then there was you know, a lot of things to like the fact that he didn't strike out too much. The walk rate was good. Um, all that's happening again this year, and he's hitting the ball a lot harder. Um, a 49.5% hard hit rate is really, really good. Um, he, he hasn't barreled the ball up as much, but, I mean, it's it's still a pretty small sample. He's only had 91 bad ball events uh, with that time missed. Um, so it's it's really impressive considering that this guy was like a drop and is now slashing 289 378 508 um on the season uh so there's i think this the breakout is is kind of happening and honestly i think that he's a buy high like i would be all over trying to add him if there's someone that like i don't know for whatever reason doesn't buy it or or is still disappointed from the, the injury in the first month and then the slow start after that. I don't know. There's there's a lot to, re- to really like here with Suzuki. Um, even more than last year where there was a lot of signs that he could be good. Like everything is improved on. Yeah, and it is probably not the best time to be putting those offers out just because he's been running so hot. But, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe give it a week. And if he, you know, has a couple offers in there, someone might just think it's a flash in the pan, and I think we'd uh, feel otherwise. Uh, so, yeah, that's Suzuki. It definitely takes a walk, so good in that points league, even with the even with the strikeouts. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm in on that one. Shifting over to kind of a throwback metric, one of our first uh, TLDRs on, on the show was talking about blast rate, which is subset of barrel rate, but it kind of removes what Alex Chamberlain had uh, deduced as weak barrels, more or less. So really looking at like the cream of the crop barrels and just had ran, ran on uh, his pitch leaderboard with like a minimum of 40 batted balls in play. And Jake Berger was a name that was third on that list for blast rate with a 15.2% blast rate. In addition to that, Berger is seventh on PLV hitter performance that we just talked about with Suzuki. And yeah, I mean, I'm kicking myself, Steve, because I added him in TGFBI, and then he, his playing time went away. Short bench, I dropped him, and now I'm like, oh, man, why did I do that? But right now, I mean, with the exception of the last few days, because he's gotten – he's cooled off. He, I think he's like 0 for 15 on, on recent games. But some of his, like, exit velocity numbers and just 
you know, he had a three-game stretch where he had a homer every game. The the White Sox have been having him take grounders at second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying to get him in the lineup, and they've even, you know, toyed with the batting order where they've had him hit as high as second in the order, and that's a really good lineup. So I think Berger is an interesting one. Again, it might be an ad as well, but right now 48% rostered in Yahoo League. So your thoughts on uh, Jake Berger? Um. I, I'm interested, and in, and in, yeah, it might be an ad because I think people might be dropping. He went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts on Tuesday. Had another Oof. two strikeouts today. Um, so, yeah, the 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 immediate um, actioning might be a drop. But there's also something really weird going on. And I'm not saying that there's any signal to this noise, but have you looked at his home away splits uh, this year? No. He is hitting 333 with nine homers at home in 72 play appearance appearances on the road. He is batting 114 with one homer in four in 39 plate appearances. So is this, is this a Chicago it, Black it, Sox it, accusation? It, it, no, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. But it, it's just absolutely insane. that This guy is essentially like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Lou Gehrig, yeah, like Lou Gehrig at home, and then uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> like Ray Ordonez on the road. It's just, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like even the strikeouts are a lot better at home uh, than on the road. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, he struck out in more than half his plate appearances on the road. He struck out twenty times in thirty nine plate appearances on the road. So uh, yeah, that's not good. Uh, I don't know. Just stream him for home games, I guess. There it's you just, go. Yeah, when the wind's blowing out I, in Chicago, I, and like yeah. yes, I'm not I'm not accusing him of anything or not saying that there's anything meaningful for that, but there's definitely something mental going on. Like he yeah. knows that. Like it's not like he's not aware. So there must be some sort of rhythm or confidence that he has at home um, compared to on the road. So, you know, these these guys are human, too. Um, and he's aware of that split. Yeah, maybe he doesn't get a lot of sleep in yeah. hotels. Uh, who you know? knows? Yeah, who knows? Something. Who knows? Um, yeah. But, yeah, stream at home. That sounds like an athletic article ready to be written there. But, uh, yeah, so Berger, if he is dropped, just know that uh, the pop is a, as, is about as real as it gets, at least at home. So uh, good name there. Uh, moving over to another name, I've got a lot of shares of Steve. I know we talked about in the offseason, it's Jose Siri. And you wouldn't really peg him as like a huge power guy. You kind of think he's that blend of power speed. But he's eighth on the blast rate leaderboard with a 12.5% blast rate. Seventh on PLV for the power metric. And yeah, I mean, he, he's right now, he's got two homers in his last three games. Uh, he obviously mixes in the speed as well with, uh, I think so far this season, he's got seven homers and four steals. And the average is always going to be, you know, a little bit of a dent. Right now he's batting 235 on the season. But in that good raise lineup, I think it's really interesting. Again, looking for outfield help. And he's just 6% rostered. So I think uh, Siri, again, less of a trade target. But uh, this one has my attention as well. I'm, I'm pretty close to hitting the button on, on the Siri ad. What are your thoughts? I love Jose Siri. I don't know if I brought him up uh, in, in the past on the show. I, I hope I did. Um, but we've, we've definitely talked about you him. You have. We've in, talked in, about in, him. In, in and you, Yeah, exactly. And you said um, it, it was but, like in a December show. You were like, I love yeah, this guy. Yeah. yeah, he is tooled up. Like he's always barreled the ball. He's always shown good power. Like, you know, he had 24 home runs at, at, at single A and with Cincinnati in uh, 126 games, 16 home runs at triple A in 94 games with Houston um, in 2021. That's when I got – pretty excited because he had a 921 OPS 125 WRC plus uh, hit 318 despite striking out 30% of the time. So, um, you know, came up to Houston, showed some power too. Um, had, it was really good in the small sample, 158 WRC plus in 21 games. So, um, and then was traded to the Rays and it's like, Oh wow, look out. And, you know, last year it never really happened for him there or, or it, it did, but, you know, he had two two thirteen with just seven homers, so the shine kind of wore off, but there were some 
things to like under the hood and the max EV, things like that. Um, but I think this is like a true showcase uh, of his tools of what he can do. Um, and on top of that, the strikeout rate's a little bit better. Yes, it's still 30%, but a guy like him with his power and speed can still contribute. Um, it, it's, it's, it's still just a 250 BABIP, so maybe there's some room for, for improvement in the batting average with the speed that he has. Um, it's a 99 percentile sprint speed. Uh, th- there's just so many tools. And if he, he gets the playing time on the Rays, which he will, uh, I think he has some reverse splits, which are which is good. Like the Rays should keep him in there versus righties. And the fielding is really good. So, you know, the Rays ran Manuel Margot out there full time when he had, you know, um, wasn't nearly as good as, as Siri has been with the bat so far. Um, it's a 242 XBA, which I, I think he could do, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think tonight he homered again and, and is up to 241 for the year. Um, you know, eight homers, four, RB, four stolen bases with an 855 OPS. Like, who knows? Maybe the Rays start to move him up the lineup a little bit and give him some more playing time. I know there was an IL stint in there, too, which has kept the plate appearances down even, even more, but, uh, yeah, eleven barrels in 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 fifty nine bad ball events, eighteen point six bat, uh, barrel percentage. If that qualified, I think that'd be like close right to up top, there, top yeah. of the leaderboard. Yeah, yep. I, I I love Jose Siri. I'd be I'd be adding him. Yeah, yeah. And the, the you're right. He had the uh, hamstring uh, IL stent, and that's probably what's led to him being a little bit slower on the base paths in the past couple of weeks. But we know he can run, so I think when healthy. It seems like almost a no doubt 2020 type of guy, maybe more with the the modern steel environment. But uh, you know the average, it won't kill you. And I think uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of upside with Siri. Uh, staying in kind of the blast rate uh, category, I think his teammate as well has to be talked about, Luke Rayleigh, who we brought up on a recent show. But this is a guy he does platoon a little bit. He sits against lefties, but. Holy smokes, man. He He's another guy who hit a home run tonight, and he is fifth in blast rate. He now has 10 home runs on the season, and all of his stat cast metrics, I mean, 98th percentile in barrel rate, yeah. uh, 93% percentile in hard hit, and he has a handful of homers in uh, center, oppo, and on the pole side. So, like, he hits all pitches, and in terms of, like uh, – Basically, his, his slug percentage against fastballs was a 707. So this guy is just destroying pitches. He's one of the ones, I know Yandy Diaz is in this group as well, but his launch angle rose from an already good 17 degrees last year up to 21.5. So he is having no problem getting the ball in the air. And when he it, when he gets it up there, it goes out. His barrel percentage is 21.7. Does come with a ton of strikeouts like we talked about a couple shows ago, but just a note on the blast rate that... uh yeah, Rayleigh's not putting up any soft barrels. This guy is about as much of a slugger as you want. So, uh, yeah, he's another one that's six percent roster, just like Siri. So, more of an add. But at some point, we got to just kind of give in to the, to what Rayleigh's doing here. This is uh, it's been pretty impressive so far. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And I, I was thinking that you know maybe uh, Siri has a bit more of. Um, a path to playing time because, you know, he plays center field as fast, but Rayleigh's no slouch in the field too. It's an 88 percentile outs above average, 80th percentile sprint speed, 70th percentile uh, arm strength. And I mean, and that that's true too, because you know, the sprint speed, he has four stolen bases to to boot. Um, The K percentage is, is worse. It's, it's 33 percentile where, uh, you know, Siri has done a good job to get that under 20. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just another amazing, amazing job by the Rays to find this guy. Uh, it, it, it's incredible, and yeah, the power is legit. This is like, like in deep leagues, like he's got to be rostered and just you know, if the Rays play three lefties in the week or whatever, you just bench him for for the week. But um, otherwise, he's got to be in your lineups. Uh, the, the power is is absolutely legit. Yep, so that is uh, wraps us up on Blast Rate. That was Jake Berger. 
uh, Jose Siri and Luke Rayleigh, all ones that you probably can't add since Berger is ice cold right now, but uh, pop that we believe in. And for Siri and Rayleigh, you got the lineup context and probably more steals than, than you'd expect with Rayleigh. That's a good good call there. Uh, we got about five names left that we're going to get through, but we have to take our second ad break. We'll be right back. All right, so Steve, talk us through a little, uh, the, the next metric here with XWOBA uh, minus WOBA. I think this one is kind of kind of a, a tried and true, like Billy Bean type of metric, but uh, it spits out some pretty good names and accounts a lot of different stats within it. So talk through uh, you know what you pulled for this one and, and the first guy on the list here. Yeah, so... I think this is a good one to look in in with, with other contexts like batted ball metrics and and and, and plate discipline um, because there could be some noise like you know your expected woba difference from your woba could be really high but the expected woba could be low which we don't really care about right um, so I, I think it's a good stat to to use in concert with. A bunch of other stuff so yeah um essentially just staking hey like this is the stat cast batted ball metrics and what your wob is expected to be based on how you're hitting the ball um and then it subtracts it from your woba so it kind of gives you a list of of unlucky players right um there's nice leaderboards over on savant on these um and then there's also you know the guys that are really good like ronald lacuna is on the top like near the top of this list but like his expected woba is you know 476 and his woba is 413 431 so like yeah he's amazing and should be doing even more amazing but whatever um yeah no one's no one's trading you yeah yeah exactly exactly um so yeah i think it's kind of a a good way to find a, a list of buy lows if you use it with other batted ball metrics um so to segue into the first name here um, is a guy that I found really interesting, and that's Wilson Contreras. Um, he is, as far as difference on the uh, expected WOBA, he has a 361 X WOBA uh, versus a 309 actual WOBA. Um, so getting pretty unlucky, um, not like at the top top of unlucky players, but it, it, it's up there. It's it's on the leaderboard. Um, but what's even more interesting is uh, Contreras's batted ball profile. Um, it looks like you know close to some of the the best of his career, um, and for a guy that has always hit the ball pretty hard, uh, he's 90th in average exit velocity, 99th in max exit velocity, 85th in hard hit percentage, and the plate discipline is still there. He's striking out just 22 percent of the time, which is like close which is in line with his career towards the low end of what he's done um and he's walking at a decent clip too at 10.5 percent of the time um he's hitting uh just 228 but his expected batting average is 272 so there's a pretty big difference there um it's the best hard hit rate of his career um the uh, the best max exit velocity of his career. He has 15 barrels and just five homers compared to a guy like Christopher Morel, who has like nine barrels and nine homers. So that just shows you how unlucky he's getting Um, best power rate of his career. Like this is a buy, like he's got an OPS under 700. Um, Yeah. There's, there's going to be a, a month where he slow, you know, has an OPS of 900 and, and gets back in line to, to what his career number should be. Yeah. He's another guy like Jake Berger, who's been struggling big time, but because he's obviously carries the catcher eligibility probably won't get dropped. That said, I think it's a really good trade target. Uh, despite, you know, going what, like over 16 in his recent games, the, the Cardinals have obviously been waking up on offense. Luckily, the front office has been waking up on just how to treat Contreras. I thought that was absurd what they did, kind of publicly declaring that he's moving off catcher and talking about Molina and everything. But it lasted a whole week where he was basically strictly DH, and then they brought him back to being a catcher. And, yeah, he had a two-homer game about a week and a half ago. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, 
everything you said, Steve, it, it looks really good under the hood, hitting to all fields, hitting power to all fields. Uh, so I, I do think as catchers go, this might be one of the best buy low targets out there. Um, and yeah, I mean the max EV of 117 miles per hour, like that's, that's nuts. And the strikeouts have looked really rough in the, the past week, but overall the 22% K rate is, is really palatable with how much he walks as well. So yeah, I, I like it here. And he's usually hitting like fifth in the lineup, but the Cardinals yeah, sometimes put third. Him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put him third as well. So chipped in yeah. four steals already too. Yeah. Did not, uh, did not expect that. Nor is that something that we probably would have gotten much from, uh, old Yachty. We do miss him, but yeah. <laughs> love that. Uh, so Spencer Torkelson is the next guy on this list whose ex-WOBA is at a three, 337 and his actual WOBA is at 286. So definitely a big gap there. And Torkelson is about as much of a post-hype sleeper as uh, you could ask for because it seems like everyone has kind of moved on. Uh, as we record tonight, he went two for five with a double single, scored a run as well. He's hitting clean up there for the Tigers. Not a great offense, but just 10% rostered. What do you see in Torkelson, Steve? And are you kind of buying a little bit of a post-hype bounce back here? Yeah, I think everyone is out except for pitcherless Scott Chu. Uh, he's also a Detroit Tigers fan, so take that with I a thought great he salt. Was. But yeah, yeah. Um, but he's been all Badu. over. <laughs> yeah, he's been all over Torkelson since spring. Uh, Torkelson was really hitting the ball hard in spring. Um, and, and that's carried over. Um, like the process is there. Like everything has built on what he did in, in 2022. Um, you know, he's striking out less. He's walking more. He's swinging, missing less. Um, all of his hard hit metrics are up. The hard hit rate is good. 85th percentile, max EV, 86th percentile, average exit velocity, 80, 82nd percentile. Like, and that's not a question, um, but it just looks like he's getting super super unlucky he's hitting 234 um with a 271 xba so very similar to Contreras. um his ex woba is 337 versus that 286 woba um the hard hit rate is extremely similar to Contreras again 49.3 percent like this guy is doing everything right at the plate he just hasn't gotten the results yet um and i know they moved the fences in uh, in, in Comerica, and it's been a little bit better for right-handed hitters, which is which is nice for Torkelson. It's just, you know, he hasn't seen those those results yet. But I, I really think that, like, in dynasty leagues or keeper leagues, if someone's selling low on Torkelson or if he's, like, on wires in, like, a 15-team league, like, the results are going to come if this is the process that, that's, that's – uh, that's going on with Torkelson. Like he's, he's slowly figuring it out. It's, it's hard to look at the slash line and see a 663 OPS and four homers from this first baseman that you expect a lot of power out of. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's eventually going to come. Yeah. Yeah. The plate discipline and the hard head, it just seems like it's kind of a small tweak away from hopefully uh, getting up to the, the area. I mean, I, I remember last year we were talking about some of his projections were like, 30, 30 plus homers, great average. So yeah, it wouldn't be crazy. It's like sometimes we need the reminder of the whole prospect growth isn't linear. And it's really good to see that, that he's starting to at least under the hood and at the dish in terms of like swing or swing decisions. It it does look promising here, at least as a guy to watch closely if it does start clicking in and tonight off to a good start with the multi-hit game there for Torkelson. So uh, moving to another kind of recent prospect, Brett Beatty uh, is, you know, just lighting up any of the, these under the hood metrics. Uh, I know we flagged on, on his ex-WOBA, it's a 373. His WOBA is a 328, so big gap there as well. And, you know, kind of the pre-barrel indicator we talk about a lot is that exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. Brett Beatty is ninth in the league. So right now he's kind of been bounced around in the middle of the order, but hitting fifth, uh, you know, he'll probably play four out of five games. I know they're they're kind of toying around with stuff with like Vientos, but a lot of people struggling in that offense. So I think Beatty, you got to kind of hope that he's going to find his way into regular playing time just for development's sake. And yeah, I think that there's a lot to like here under the hood. 
and it hasn't been terrible. I mean, the past week he's hitting 263 with the 807 OPS. So it seems like he's starting to kind of put it together. Uh, but how much are you kind of buying into Beatty out there, Steve? Um, I, I really like it. Um, I think the only question is that the Mets just need to get out of their own way and make sure that he plays every day. I know that there's been like a bit of platoon and they're still playing um Vogelbach. Yeah, Vogelbach a bit. Um, who was their uh, the third baseman uh, that, that I'm drawing a blank on? Uh, the switch hitter. He's played like second, third, a little bit. Um, but whatever. Um, Escobar. 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 Um, like Vienta, Spady, and and um, Alvarez should just be playing every day. Like that's the best. Mets lineup, but like there, there's no question with Beatty with what he does when he hits the ball, like a 54.1% hard hit percentage, uh, a 9.7 Bauer rate. Like it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, what's going on with him. So, uh, yeah, as far as like hitting the ball, um, and he's not striking out that much either. Twenty-one percent strikeout rate. Like this is this is great. Like how is this guy not playing every day? I, I don't play, I, man. I, I, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, like if that's a reason why anyone's not fully in on him, like I, all over it. Like this guy just knows how to hit. Yeah, I, I mean, I was kind of one foot in, one foot out on Beatty at the start of the year, but. Uh, from seeing kind of the the batted ball data, uh, I'm I'm now a believer. He's 30% rostered, so I think he's probably a trade target in deep leagues, but certainly could be added in like 12 team leagues. And yeah, I think just on not that he's like red hot right now, but had a multi a couple multi hit games in, in the past week. So I think it's it's one to watch closely and probably add and in, in stream. I know they got the series coming up in Coors which obviously is a great time to, to get on the bus here. Uh, but let's move on to our last one in this, this Woba X Woba category. And it might be the, the most frustrating or perplexing uh, pick of the first round. Certain that certainly that bunch of the first five guys who are being lumped mm, together. Trey Turner, maybe, but yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. But Julio Rodriguez has not been doing well on the season with just a 217 average, a 684 OPS. He is warming up quite a bit at the plate with his past like 12 at bats. Two more he's hits got six tonight. hits. Yeah. Two, two more hits tonight. Uh, so it seems like he's warming up, but still for what you signed up for, you just got, uh, you know, a super frustrating batting average still got a little bit of power speed with the seven homers, eight steals, but under the hood here, Steve, a 342 X Woba, uh, quite a bit above the 300 Woba that he's at. So what are you seeing, uh, across the board with Julio Rodriguez here? Uh, another guy that looks like exactly like he does, does that did last year. Like, yes, the, the strikeouts are, are elevated and a bit of a problem, but, you know, even with um, a 25, 26% strikeout rate last year, you know, it was a, he was still able to hit 284 um, and come close to a, a 30 30 season, 132 games. Um, the counting stats are still there. He has seven homers, eight stolen bases, and 46 games. Uh, he's just not going to hit 217 the rest of the way when. All of his other metrics are right in line. The, the hard hit rates there, the max EV, the power rate's really good. Um, it, it's not like he, he's he's hitting too many ground balls or anything like that. Um, I believe that's right in line as I as I as I pull it up. Yeah, it, it's it's better than last year. It's just a forty two percent ground ball rate, a thirty seven percent fly ball rate. Uh, like the infield pop ups are down, um, line drives are up. Like everything there is pretty good. He's pulling the ball a little less, which is interesting. Maybe that's why he's not getting the most out of, out of his barrels or, or something like that, or out of his power. Um, he does have 14 barrels and just seven homers. So maybe he just needs to start pulling the ball a little bit more, but I don't have any doubt that he is not going to be able to do that. Um, 
I think that if anyone is giving up on him and maybe that window's closing as he's putting together a few really good games here, uh, the the opportunity to 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 to, to get a, an amazing player, I think, uh, is still there. Uh, essentially, I think uh, he will return first round value the rest of the way. Yeah, and the the window's closing. I know this get right series against Oakland. Their next series is against the Pirates, so you might want to act fast because it it does look like, uh, yeah, he's starting to warm up and he's got some good opponents lined up here. So, uh, moving over to a, another metric and another outfielder, we're looking at Brian Reynolds, who on the IPA percentage. I know it was in our little hundredth uh, episode recap mashup last last week when we had Christian Mack on who talked us through the ideal plate appearance, uh, which is a, a really good metric from within the walls here at, at PitcherList, but it's it's been kind of proven to be, uh, I forget if it's as predictive or more predictive than, than Woba throughout a season, but it basically takes barrel rate, solid contact, uh, flares plus burners, and divides it by total plate appearances. And this has been a really good stat that in the past has pointed to a lot of breakouts and Brian Reynolds is number two in the league on IPA percentage. Uh, you know, he's been solid, and that's kind of like on brand for Brian Reynolds. Like, you just think solid. He's not going to be a league winner, and he's also not going to kill you. And so far, that's what it's been. I mean, the average, which you sign up for, it has been good at the 287. He's got six homers, six steals, so a little bit of everything. But the hard contact, third in the league and the IPA percentage second in the league. And I just think it's been a kind of good enough across the board where you could probably buy him as like an outfielder one. And I think he would return that rest of the way and the manager might be willing to do that. So uh, curious, Steve, what your thoughts are on Reynolds. I don't have a lot of shares. I was kind of shopping pitching in this area of the draft, but uh, I like the player and he's especially good in points leagues. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Uh, I wish I had more shares. I don't. Um, but yeah, wow. Like looking at his pitcherless page, the, the stack has sliders, like, you know, if you play the game of whomst and, and you post this, that it would be, a, it would be a fun trivia because the hard hit, the XBA, all of that is absolutely incredible. Um, all that while striking out just 18% of the time. Yeah, it, it honestly might be a buy low because he started out so hot in April. I think what like three or four of those home runs came in like the first two weeks, and he still got just six on the year. So that's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah twenty two barrels uh, and just six home runs. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a buy if, if anyone's if anyone's trying to sell or, or forgot about that amazing start. It is you know the Pirates have kind of cooled off. Um, a little bit here, uh, or a lot actually, since their amazing stretch when it looked like they were, you know, going to be an actual contender, which might not happen for a while, but um, mm-hmm. it's still nice to see that Reynolds' process is is really good, and I think that he could be a really good trade target um, if, if someone's just having some recency bias there. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. Just one home run in the past month. So uh, they might be kind of, you know, the whole poking with a stick meme and like do something. But it's actually been good even without the power. And that's what's nice about Reynolds is he'll just kind of be a steady Eddie for you. And uh, yeah, when he is on, it's about as good as it gets for, for the switch hitter for Reynolds. So uh, yeah, I I like it. And I, I think that's of the bunch. uh Man, one one of my favorites on on the rundown, honestly. But a lot of lot of good names in there, Steve. I think uh, Zach Wheeler, Hunter Green were some some highlight trade targets there. Talked about Saya Suzuki, uh, kind of the ad list with Burger Siri, Luke Rayleigh, and then you know in that four pack for Xwoba, looking a lot better for Wilson Contreras, Torkelson. It's kind of the post hype. Uh, Beatty, if, if we're gonna bet on the Mets. Uh, actually making the right uh, calls there. And then Julio, door might be closing, but Reynolds, the door might be open right now. So 
uh yeah fun fun list fun rundown uh have you been have you been offering trades steve i I know that wraps us up but you're usually the the trade master i want to hear if you i have um in a, in a keeper league where I'm selling, I was able to get like a first and second a pick for for assets. So nothing like groundbreaking, nothing major, groundbreaking yeah. there. But yeah, but working the wire always. Am. I, I think that's uh, it's trading season for sure. Uh, so looking, yeah, looking they, it's just such a weird year and hard to trade because offense is up so much and yeah, top end pitchers, pitchers have been are getting tough. yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and no one has pitching. It, it, it's hard. So um, maybe it'll just take a little bit longer to adjust and some trades will start flowing. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. As always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I am at Van underscore verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Episode 101 in the books. And uh, thank you guys. We're, we're every Thursday throughout the season. And we really appreciate having you guys here. So thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.